0: Kitties, books, and movies. Yes,
1: we love these. Listen to this podcast, please. Looks like us. Hello. Hello. Guys, Cersei is still on the chair. She loves that chair. So. Maybe before we get started today, just a little like PSA to our listeners because we know you care about pets just as much as you care about books. Um, as you might know from Cersei's bio, my cat Cersei really loves a good chair. Um, and there's a chair we have in this house right now. This is very serious. That's why I'm talking yes, my yes. serious voice. So there's a chair we have in our house right now that is her favorite chair. She spends all day on it. She's on it right now, right here with me, behind me right now on the chair. Um, but my husband, Ben, who you might know from Askaban, um, he wants to get rid of the chair because he says no one uses it. Now I ask you, is Cersei no one? If you agree, write in and let us know. I will collect the emails and show them to my husband as evidence that Cersei needs her chair. That's right. Just write in to, what's my email address? (laughs) the
0: s- the <laughs> squad at
1: booksquiresgoals.com the squad the squad at goals.com
2: write in we're definitely going to get yeah, more please. emails about Cersei's chair than we we're, do listener we are feedback we're going
3: to follow a formal persist- please, petition I,
2: I beg of you cersei's
3: chair sounds like a band. yes
1: yeah, i beg of you like please band. write in and tell tell us about how much cersei needs her chair she loves this chair cersei we're praying <laughs> for you all right Now, on with the episode. Thoughts and prayers. Okay. All right.
3: Welcome again. To get started this week, we're doing a thing that is, I think, going to be fun for us, and maybe, maybe also fun for you, or maybe boring for you. We'll see. It does relate to the book, but for our intros, let's talk about our hometowns.
1: Where are you ladies from? What's your place like? And do you still live there? <laughs> oh, gosh, no. Do any of us live in our hometowns? Uh-uh. Uh, no. Okay, no. so we got that out of the way. None of us are Mikey. Nah. From the Gunners, which is the book we're talking about. Yeah, that sounded miserable.
0: Who wants to go first? I'll go. Okay, go ahead. Um,
2: I'm from Orlando, Florida. It is Horrible. It's horrible. (laughs) Um, I'm I'm technically – I was born in Miami, but I only lived there for five years, and then I grew up for the rest of my life pretty much in Orlando. Uh, As you may know, Orlando is home to Disney World and Universal Studios and almost nothing else. Um, The Florida Project. The Florida Project, which is a great movie, and I recommend everyone see it, and – that movie was filmed right, like, seriously, like, right next to the apartment complex that I grew up in. Um, so, or, I, I grew up in the part of Orlando that is right between the two theme parks. So, I was across the street Oof. from Universal Studios. I could see the roller coasters from the parking lot where we parked our cars. We could hear people screaming, having a fun time from across the street. Um, (laughs) and fun fact that when they were constructing Hogwarts, we could like see the, the Hogwarts tower, like while they were working on it before Harry Potter world was open. So that was very exciting because every day would be like, what's the progress on the castle? Um, but And, like, it was kind of fun to be able to go to the theme parks regularly. Like, they're really expensive, obviously, but because we were all growing up there, like, a lot of the people who live in Orlando have a relative or family friend or something who works at one of the theme parks and can get tickets for their family or whatever. So we went a lot because usually it was free because we'd find some in um And I also had, like, a year-long pass to Universal at one point because it was – they had, like, a Florida resident discount for a while
0: that they no longer offer. Um, Disney still does that, but it's very expensive. It's still ridiculously
2: expensive, yeah.
0: Um, It's, like, $600 or something. Oh, nice.
2: Yeah. Uh, The theme parks are fun, but – and I'm not going to hate on them because that was, like, super fun growing up. But other than that, um, Orlando is a city that is large and yet completely lacks a personality. Um, it's getting a little bit better or so I've heard since I left. I haven't lived there since 2010. Um, but it's still, it's the kind of place where there's lots of strip malls. There's lots of, chain restaurants, it's hard to find a business that doesn't have, like, at least five other locations. So, you know, it's just kind of a depressing place, and the whole city is built around tourism, and I did not have a fun time growing up there. So, there's that.
0: I'm going to take it a step down (laughs) and say, in Soperden, the town (laughs) I am from... It's hard to find Georgia. a business. <laughs> Period. <laughs> um, I'm from Soperden, Georgia, which is a super small town in South Georgia. If you're familiar with Vidalia Onions, I grew up probably like 20 Wait, minutes. say it right. You gotta go Vidalia. No. I always no. get mad because Bobby Flay says Vidalia. Nah, girl. I'm like, that's wrong. Mary, and I'm Kelly if I didn't say that. Oh yeah, this is Mary. <laughs> um, I grew up really close to the Onion Place. I also grew up a couple <laughs> of hours Indiana away is. from Savannah, Georgia of, mm, I don't know, ghost fame. St. <laughs> Patrick's Day um, Savannah's
1: cool. St. Patrick's Day, uh, What's Her Face, who founded the Girl Scouts, Oh yeah, yeah. Right, but what about uh, Poladine?
2: Yeah, you can't talk but, about Savannah.
0: Yeah, awful. <laughs> <limit>. Yeah, Soberden <laughs> is very, very, very small. Everyone knows everybody. There were only about seventy people in my graduating class, and it wasn't a situation of there was another school other people graduated from. It was just my school. That was the only school in the county. Wow. Um, a lot of people. Are just like small farmer types. By a contrast, I had seven hundred and fifty
2: people in my graduating class.
0: Oh my gosh!
1: I don't know how many people were in my graduating I class. I had like close to four hundred. Like I
0: think. Um, okay. the only media <laughs> representation I've ever seen of SoPredon was one time a guy from Soperton was on a reality competition show. I think called like Rising Star or something. And when he, when it came time to tell where he was from, he was like, well, I'm from Soberton, Georgia, and it's just a town full of drug addiction. (laughs) Oh my god. I don't know if that's true, but, um, no. I I was a kid in high school who was like, people are doing drugs? I don't, when? How? I don't know anything about that. So if people are doing stuff like that, I don't know about it. But it's just very small, very religious. You have to go, like, 30 minutes out of town to even find a chain business. Like, any kind of business. We have a grocery store named The Piglet. It's not (laughs) Piggly Wiggly, and it has nothing to do with Piggly Wiggly, but it's called The Piglet. (laughs) That's cute. And we have a local pharmacy called Dinner's Drugs that has... You know, like some home good stuff, and that's about it,
2: okay, well, I will make an argument that at least you know you have like a fun kind of small town situation where like there could be a book written about the drama and gossip of a small town,
0: oh yeah, and I mean it it, it is definitely like scenic in some respects, like there are some cool, weird local stuff, like there's a tomb a few miles out of town called Troop's Tomb and it's like this grave that's all rusted over and creepy and people would go out there at night and stuff and like break into it so I mean like there's, there's some weird things like that But when you're growing up in a town like that, there's nothing to do. Like, you can't see. If if you can't drive, you can't do anything. Because your parents aren't going to take you out of town, drop you off at a movie. Yeah. And come back and get you. So, I mean, just like, there just wasn't much to do. And most of the experiences people have in high school of going places and doing things, I just didn't have because there was nothing around there. I mean, that being said, I have like a lot of great memories of friends coming over to my house. My house was like the hangout house. And like we would watch movies and eat Chex Mix and just hang out at my house. Which I think I still, to this day, would rather people come to my house than me go to them but I don't know it's it's fine I don't live there I never plan to live there again because there's just nothing for me there but my parents still live there and my dad has said over and over again I was born here and I'll die here that's <laughs> not something to brag about and I'm like it's well like, I don't that. know if you will die here because there's not a hospital here anymore like when you were born I guess he's hoping to die peacefully mm-hmm. in his sleep. I guess no. But aren't we all? <laughs> it's fine. It's just pretty boring and like going home, it's wild because like there's nothing. Like I went home for Christmas and forgot my headphones and needed a pair of headphones. And I was like, "Well, I guess I just Don't have headphones while I'm at home. You're just going to have to walk around
2: like those people who play their music from their phone speaker.
0: (laughs) I needed headphones. And I'll say this because I know my parents don't listen to this. Because my dad would sit at the table with me while I was doing work. And he'd say, this isn't bothering you, right? And then he'd just loudly eat an apple or something. (laughs) (laughs) And I would be like, it is actually. (laughs) This is bothering me a lot.
2: <laughs> well, I wish yeah, headphones sure, worked fine. for me because I'll put in headphones and my mom will just start talking to me, and I can like faintly hear her voice in the background. And she keeps doing it, and I take off my headphones. And I'm like, I can't hear you. She's like, sorry. And then she does it again. <laughs> so,
1: um, this is Emily. Um, I was born in Hammond, Louisiana, but I. Moved around a lot as a kid because my parents, um, were professors and you know how it is when you're starting off as a professor, you just have to move around wherever the shitty job is. So that's what they did until my mom got a job at UGA. Um, so I moved to Athens when I was seven and that's where I grew up. Um, so I consider that my hometown. That's where I go back to visit my family. Um, that's where my brother lived. Um... So, yeah, Athens is my hometown. I think, you know, it was pretty cool getting to grow up in Athens, actually. Um, we have a, you know, thriving music scene there. There's lots of great restaurants to eat at. Um, I was a vegetarian um starting at, like, the age of 10, and I don't know if that would have been a possibility for me if I didn't live somewhere like Athens. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> if have I lived fun in, so- in Mary's <laughs> town. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Have fun, have fun at the print, Being a vegetarian, you just <laughs> my favorite restaurant of all time is the grit. The grit cookbook. I have been there. Is it's amazing, good. and you
0: can get it. So you should get it. Make the make you that grit yeast gravy. So good. I had the cookbook before I went to the actual restaurant, and only had the food like me cooking it. And when I went to the restaurant, I was like. You know, like, when I make it, it's good. Mm Mm-hmm. But there's just something about someone else cooking it for you.
1: (laughs) I do love... The thing I love the most about their cookbook is all of their recipes... I feel like they didn't cut it down from the size they make it at the
0: restaurant. Because
1: all of their recipes are, like, serves 30, (laughs) you know? And you're like, dang, I'm going to have leftovers for days. Like, if you Um, make the
0: gravy, it makes a
1: whole pot of gravy. Yeah, a whole lot of... Which is fine. I'm fine with that. But anyway... um. Also, Athens is home of um REM, B52's, Kim Basinger. do not know if you know that. Um yeah, lots of cool stuff out of Athens. Lots of like there are a lot of really cool local Athens bands that I still love. Um so yeah. It was pretty pretty a lot cool. of local
0: businesses and restaurants.
1: Yeah, lots of local businesses and restaurants. Um, when I was a kid, um, not kid, kid, but like when I was in middle school, you know, me and my friends would just get dropped off downtown and walk around and hang out and pretend we were (laughs) cool townies, you know? So, oh, our favorite thing to do when we were in middle school is there was a Mexican restaurant downtown that would give you chips for free. So we would just go into the restaurant. We wouldn't order anything except for like, queso for the chips and we would sit there for like two hours and just like chill and drink water and eat all the free chips and they hated us but we were like now we're adults we're eating out together at this cool downtown <laughs> Athens restaurant so Aww. that's what's up yeah cool It's my hometown
0: I like Athens I'm not from there but it's, it's in cool. Georgia so I've been there I've never yeah been. it's really cool it's, it's a really fun place fine. to visit. I have been There's to Orlando, cool, though. Who hasn't? There's a cool <laughs> board game cafe in Athens. Not
3: for Disney, though. I, like like, I mean, I have been for Disney, but I went there on a completely unrelated For what other reason? And went out <laughs> in Orlando. <laughs> it's
2: Wasn't it awful?
3: I played tennis in college, and we played in a tournament there. Did you hate it? Well, no, I didn't hate it because I was like 19 at the time, and we went out, and all the bars were like... They would look at our ID and be like, "Happy twenty first birthday," and just like give us wristbands and like pour shots down our throats. So I was like, Uh, "Orlando rocks."
1: (laughs) You would love Athens then because every bar is like that in Athens. They never did that for me in Orlando. They're so strict. They were like, "Oh, her mom lives here a bit." I was going to bar. Ooh, never mind. I didn't go to bars in high school. Mom and dad. I think sometimes (laughs) I was in college. Guess what?
0: There's not a bar (laughs) Um, (laughs) in. And it's a dry county.
1: Well, so I,
3: uh, I'm i Susan, and I grew up in Jeffersonville, Indiana, which is a suburb of Louisville, Kentucky. It's just on the Indiana side of the Ohio River. So part of its appeal is that you can literally walk to Louisville, and like that's where all the things were to do when I was growing up. Um, since they have made all these new bridges between the two places, it's actually kind of improved a ton like last time I went home there were like new bars and restaurants like locally huh. owned stuff that like mm-hmm. had patios you could look over the water and Justin was like this place is so cool and I'm like I don't understand what happened because <laughs> I was kind of like when I then, lived here yeah we actually had a bunch of stuff to do it was cool so um yeah it's like a lot of the towns like Commerce is based on the river. There's a big, like, shipping yard that employs a ton of the town. Um, and then a lot of people work in Louisville because that's where more jobs are. Um, yeah. But I grew up, like, just a couple blocks away from the river. And since we're naming famous people, Papa John is from my hometown. And he started Papa John's in, wow. like, the back Ooh. of some dive bar that still exists there. And I will go on record saying, Papa John, you suck.
0: He does.
3: (laughs) That's for me. That was on record. Um, Stop being a racist. You're embarrassing.
0: Well, if we're naming famous people. Here's the thing. Did he suck to the town? I don't. I mean... Like, not, not, not in terms of, like, being racist, because we can all agree that sucks. He's a bad dude for weird racist stuff. But, like, in the town... Did I people really like hear him you? before all
3: that? So he's my mom's age. He was in my mom's graduating class. Like, once Papa John's, like, became a thing, like, he wasn't, like, in our town anymore, really. There.
0: So. I, I'm just thinking, like, the Chick fil A people, because my mom lived in Jonesboro, where the Chick fil A people are, like, in College Park, Jonesboro. She lives, like, in the southern Atlanta area. And, like, no one likes them, the Chick Fil A people, because they just buy all the land and turn it into church stuff.
3: Yeah, I don't think he really did that. He mostly gave money to like football stadiums and things like that. Like he sounds like a fraternity bro. He that might just have been. He went up. to Ball State, which is where my brother went too. Um, but like the the stadium where Louis- the University of Louisville plays football, was named. Papa John's Cardinal Stadium up until the racist shit, and then they were like, "We got to call it not that anymore." So,
0: <laughs> you think Papa John? So yeah, anyway, that's kind is of like what he did was just like give thing. money
3: to a bunch of other places, but probably not very. I don't know how much he even really gave to, like our town. But
0: like, does he like being called Papa? He probably likes a lot of sick shit yeah, like that, for sure. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. anyway,
2: um, well. Just to quickly mention some famous people that went to my high school. The two most important people on this planet, Joey Fatone and Wayne Brady. (laughs) Yo, I would really hang out with Wayne Brady. He seems cool. Yeah. My my high school uh, history teacher, my AP world history teacher, dated him when they both Mm -hmm. went to the high school, and they were both in the theater program. And we would always bring it up, we'd be like, Hey, tell us about Wayne Brady, and she'd be like, "I don't yeah. talk about that."
3: Yeah, you <laughs> to tell us about his D.
2: Anyway, and you know they were sucking D because they were theater kids. Girl, I was a theater kid. <laughs> Watch out, you were sucking D.
1: Nuh-uh. Uh
3: Well, guys, speaking of hometown, we're talking speaking about second D for a reason. <laughs> yeah
0: honestly both also speaking of
3: second D we are discussing The Gunners which is Rebecca Kaufman's second novel and involves a group of people going back to their hometown Uh, I will read the Goodreads summary following on her wonderfully received first novel Another Place You've Never Been Rebecca Kaufman returns with Mikey Callahan a 30 year old who is suffering from the clouded vision of macular degeneration he struggles to establish human connections. Even his emotional life is a blur. Heavy-handed, but okay. As the novel begins, he is reconnecting <laughs> with the Gunners, his group of childhood friends, after one of their members has committed suicide. Sally has had distanced herself from all of them before ending her life, and she died harboring secrets about the group and its individuals. Mikey especially needs to confront the dark secrets about his own past and his father. How much of this darkness accounts for the emotional stupor Mikey is suffering from as he reaches his maturity? And can the Gunners, prompted by Sally's death, find their way back to a new day? The core of this adventure, made by Mikey, Alice, Lynn, Jimmy, and Sam, becomes a search for the core of truth, friendship, and forgiveness. A quietly startling, beautiful book, the Gunners engages us with vividly unforgettable characters and advances Rebecca Coffin's place as one of the most important young writers of her generation
0: yowza that's a lot of praise for rebecca kaufman (laughs) that seems a little dramatic i've never heard of her other novel um,
2: also let's just say now we're going to be spoiling everything that happens in this book yeah and also i guess uh we are going to be discussing suicide a little bit so just if that makes you uncomfortable don't listen
3: and probably sexual
2: abuse probably sexual abuse
3: Okay, so, really quickly, kind of as a reminder for myself, I'm going to read the names of these people again, because it did I'm take really a second to start keeping them straight. Um, Mikey I'm is our main character. The other gunner that lived in the hometown still was Sally. She is the one who commits suicide. The other two girls' names are Alice and Lynn, and the other two boys are Jimmy and Sam. And we'll talk more in detail about who is who. But just quick refresher. So, Thank you. Basically, at the beginning of the book, we find out that Sally has committed suicide by jumping from a bridge. Um, or like an overpass situation. In this hometown of Lackawanna. Lackawanna? Is that right? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Lackawanna. Sounds like it's near Buffalo. Um, And the group all makes their way back to go to the funeral. And then they've made plans to stay the night at Jimmy's lake house. Because Jimmy has gotten rich and moved to California. Um, So they're going to spend the whole weekend together. um, And no one knows anything that's been going on with Sally for a very long time because like around before high school started she just kind of ghosted the group <laughs> so
2: or wasn't it like midway through high school I
3: thought school? it was like freshman year of high school or something like early on in high school Sorry, was, did I say before uh, high school?
1: Early. Yeah, My you bad. said before.
3: I think it I thought it was like age 15ish or something.
1: Okay. Right? Well, it had to be after that yeah. because yeah. Um, that thing that happened with, um, what's his face. Okay. So, um, Sam tries to bring her a gift on her 16th birthday. So it had to be 16. Yeah. Okay. 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 So
3: (laughs) in high school, so they've been, they hang, they start hanging out in elementary school and they make this club, um, that they call the gunners because they hang out in an abandoned house and the mailbox says the gunners. So they become this little club, and they hang out through elementary school, and middle school, and then up until age 16, and all of a sudden, Sally ghosts, and no one knows why, and she never talks to any of them again, and even, you know, way after high school, now they're 30, she sees Mikey in the town sometimes and just ignores him, so there's still, no one knows what's going on, so definitely no one knows, like, the circumstances surrounding
1: her death, but of course... They want
3: to know, so they start to talk to each other.
1: Where were their parents while they were hanging out in this abandoned house is (laughs) what I want to know. I I don't know. Like, that seems bizarre. Also,
2: like, are abandoned houses just, like, sitting around for kids to go in? Like, is that a thing?
0: It felt like... It felt like a book that should have taken place much earlier than the present. Mm -hmm. Because... I know, like, my dad has talked about just, like, roaming around town with his friends on their bikes, you know? Mm, yeah. And I think that's something parents used to be a lot more cool But with. if they're, th-
1: if it's present day and they're, like, 30, then this was, like, early 90s. Yeah. So- oh, yeah.
0: So.
3: I feel like the only time you see abandoned houses like that that you could actually get into that aren't like boarded up or something are yeah. going to be in like a really economically depressed area, and it doesn't sound like this is yeah. that bad.
2: Yeah. I don't
3: it sounds know, like y'all. individual families might be in that situation, but it doesn't sound like it's in like a shitty
1: I have a lot of logistical issues with this story, just in general. So, when you're ready for Emily's Workshop Corner, <laughs> just let me know. <laughs> because I will here. get to Emily's Workshop Corner. <laughs> it's a good corner. First, I want
3: to talk about secrets. Yes.
1: Secrets.
3: Secrets. Hey, okay, yeah. So, secrets. the novel is basically all about secrets between secrets. the friends and then between family members. So, I want to talk about to the secrets about. that Sally has with individual members of the group She's and then what happens when they're revealed and kind of how those stories let us see Sally in a little more of a full character way. Um, hold off talking about Mikey's mm-hmm. big, big secret. Cause that's like its own thing.
2: <laughs> yeah. So just okay. thinking, that's the, yeah. the ultra ultimate secret. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> so like every single chapter was like revealing a new secret. Yeah. And, Here's my thing. Mm -hmm. I was I'm gonna just like lay my cards out early when I say this. But here's my thing. Revealing secrets over and over again is not a plot.
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) It well (laughs) I don't disagree. It's you know, after a few chapters I was like, it's established that Sally had secrets with people and now we're gonna figure out what those secrets were. And it was fun like trying to guess or speculate what secrets she had with different people. Even though it's like there's not like there was a ton yeah. to go on. Sometimes, but it was still yeah, that was I thought fun it was me.
2: interesting that it was set up kind of as a mystery at the beginning of the book, not just her death, but it not her death wasn't the mystery as much as why she left their group in the first place, and so you kind of like have this you're under the impression that the main thing we're gonna find out as we read or like the driving force of the book is like why did she leave, like why did she stop talking to them so Th- they get to the house, and we assume we're going to find that specifically out at the house. But then instead of just finding that out, we find out, like, all of this different stuff that was going on um, and all of these small secrets. And I think a lot of that accumulated is, like, her actual reason for leaving, along with the other larger secret, which we will talk about. But um, um, I thought it was entertaining to learn a lot of this stuff and i was when i f- knew that we were gonna learn something new whenever one of the characters would be like oh i gotta tell you something i'd be like "Ooh, what's gonna what's it gonna be like you know it was like mm. being in a gossip circle or something
0: mm. yeah it felt gossipy yeah in a, in sort of like a safe way because we know it's a fictional novel
1: right Right. It kind of reminded me, like, the plot devices you were just talking about reminded me, I'm, I'm telling this to you, Mary, uh, of <laughs> <laughs> uh, Colorless by Haruki Murakami. Oh, yeah. So, uh, Mary and I both taught this book, that's why I'm, I'm bringing it up to her, but, like... Um, I can't remember the guy's entire entire name, but it's like colorless Skuru Tazaki or something like. That. I don't know. I'm gonna mess it up if I try, but it's something like that. Um, I can't remember what his last name is. His first name's definitely Skuru. Um, but yeah, basically, like his friend, like he had a friend group, and everyone in the group was based off of a color except for him, and that's why he calls himself colorless. But he's, like, trying to figure out what happened that broke up the friend group because nobody in the friend group is talking to him anymore. And so he's, like, seeking them out to try to figure out, like, why no one wants to talk to him anymore. And he's, like, finding out all these secrets about the group and stuff. And I guess secrets he didn't realize about himself. Um, <laughs> for instance, uh, there's a blowjob that he gets. And he's like, was that a dream? And I'm like, no, nah, dude, that was not. But anyway. And then he
0: goes off and is like, I'm not gay! I'm like, yeah, but you definitely (laughs) let
1: that dude give you a blowjob. And then, like, we're like, why doesn't he want to talk to me the next day? Like, alright. Anyway. uh, It was an interesting book, but, like, that part of this not, like, the friend group and, like, the mysterious, like, separating of the friend group Mm -hmm. and that kind of, like, reminded me of this. Um, And also just, like, the, the sense that Both, um, Skuru and Mikey, who is our main point of view character. And we kind of get point of view, point of view of everyone in the past, but in the present tense storyline, Mikey is our point of view character. Um, and both he and Skuru both kind of feel like outsiders in different ways. Um, Skuru feels like he doesn't have a personality. Um, he's colorless. Um, Mikey actually does not have a personality, um yeah. <laughs> but he also like he's emailing his friends and stuff and he feels kind of like he's being left behind because he still lives in the hometown and most of them moved away and they seem to have lives and he feels like he doesn't. Um so I don't know. I saw some parallels. He has there. a cat. He does have a cat, which is really all you need. Yeah. And all a cat needs
0: is a chair. Please email us. <laughs> I understand Please, Mikey's yes. concern that there's something wrong with him sort of socially, and I understand how he feels disconnected from people, but also his life doesn't seem awful. You know, it seems like he's not trying to go out and connect with people that he doesn't want to, and so he stays at home, and he does stuff with his cat, you know, Look, like, hangs out with his cat, and that sounds fine I really to me. wanted, like, I kept waiting,
1: at the end of this novel, I wanted Mikey to come to the realization that he's asexual. Yeah, yeah, me Like, too. I was reading him as an asexual character, and I was kind of disappointed that they didn't lean into that more, because it seemed like there were hints that he
0: wasn't really interested in sex. Um, I mean, the most notable hint is when one of the people was like, hey, let's have sex right here, and he's like, no. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I was kind of... <laughs>
1: is there such a thing as asexual baiting because that's (laughs) what this felt like
2: well also i feel i felt like mikey kind of was not just asexual but seemed incapable of feeling love in or you know wasn't sure if he was capable of feeling love and then later sort of comes around on it i guess but he sort of has this feeling like I ha- I don't love my dad. I don't know that I love my friends. Alice tells him that she loves him, like, in a, f- in a friend way, and he just can't even say it back to her. And he's like, I don't know that I love you. And I think he has some kind of, like, social connection issue, because he's clearly, like, he's a virgin also, um... And not that that's a problem, but, like, that's made a point of as far as potential asexuality. But he's kind of, like, he's never had a girlfriend.
1: He's never, like... Yeah. Well, I mean, like, it's not the fact that he's never had those things. It's the fact that he, like, doesn't seem yeah. interested about those things. In those things. Yeah. And the only reason that it even comes up is, like, people keep asking him about it. Yeah. But, like, he doesn't really seem bothered. Yeah. I don't know. But
2: then he still, so- still is determined to keep these friendships going. Yeah. Which is interesting.
0: I so everybody has a secret. Yes, back to the we're getting away
1: from secrets. Well, I think Mikey's secret yeah. that he still hasn't revealed is that he's asexual, so it still counts. But anyway, yeah.
0: go on. Every everybody has a secret with Sally, more or less, right? Yeah. So yeah, trying to think about what everybody's... Well, I so mean,
3: Alice's, Alice's
0: was yeah. that they
3: were like, experimenting sexually together, and were kind of I mean...
2: They were together. Kind of yeah, I mean, of I would also. say they were, like...
3: Yeah, but she sounded like... It sounded like Alice was more invested in the emotional relationship than... Yeah. Than yeah. Sally was. Um, And so that was... That was theirs.
2: Yeah, and also, it should be said that it, like, basically as they reveal these secrets to each other, they all sort of preface it with I like the I know the reason that Sally left and it's because of me and this is why and so it turns out that every person thinks that their secret with Sally is responsible for her leaving and you know and then they all feel like a separate portion of guilt for her eventual death. Except
1: Mikey. Does Mikey ever say that he feels responsible?
2: No but then it turns out. Yeah yeah, I
1: know but like as far as he knows he doesn't have a secret with her that makes him responsible. Right, right. Um, Sam. Um, can we talk about Sam's secret? Oh God, because uh, he like basically tried to rape her.
3: Yeah, it was awful. Not really great. Well, I think he's. I mean, he stopped way short of rape, but he yeah. definitely sexually assaulted her. Yeah. Like.
2: Yeah.
3: Um. I mean. He like forced her to kiss him, and then um, touched her boobs. Yeah. Aggressively, we'll say and then I guess kind of immediately in the moment was like oh fuck this is terrible oh
1: well too late you're already terrible
3: right and then apologized a bunch and was very upset about it and she said that it was okay and she forgave him but he like never forgave himself and he shares it with the group and he's you know he's upset like he's crying and most people seem sympathetic and Mikey's like nah fuck him (laughs)
1: Oh, yeah. yeah.
2: Um, and Sam thinks that Mikey knew about it because he sees Sally leaving Mikey's house crying. No, it was but it turns out, no, no, it was
1: Mikey's house. Oh no. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that, so that was for
2: a different reason, which we yeah. will discuss later. Um but also people see Sally coming out of Jimmy's house all the time. Um and Sam saw sally coming out of jimmy's house before he went to give her the present and everything and before he tried to force her force himself on her he saw her coming out of jimmy's and he assumed that uh she was fucking jimmy
1: well she he also yeah, saw yeah, he sees her bodies in, a bed, in with a bed somebody
2: oh yeah but she he doesn't but see he saw her is. with alice yeah. yeah
1: yeah what he saw was alice Yeah, but (laughs) conveniently Alice was under the covers, right? Probably doing. And conveniently, Alice is
3: really tall, so could probably pass at quick
1: glance for
3: a man's body.
2: Um, But um, so yeah, that was another secret and then Sally was always over at Jimmy's because they were just really close friends because she would go over and sleep at Jimmy's because it turned out that her mom's boyfriend was um, sexually abusing her
1: yeah and Jimmy is super gay by the way mm-hmm. yeah also Jimmy's secret is that he's gay and so yeah, only and they Sally sort of told each other yeah, that um, yeah. they kind of were sharing how they were, they were both questioning their sexuality because obviously Sally was questioning hers as well yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Lynn,
3: um, this is a little different than the other ones, but Lynn, yeah, started drinking really early on. Um, we see like we see that when she's a kid, but she drinks pretty heavily, and then she starts like using pills and harder drugs in high school. And she, um, was buying drugs, and Sally saw her doing it, and. She, I guess, threatened Sally and confronted her with said she was really nasty to her about it and about not telling anyone about it. And so she thought after that confrontation that that was why Sally left.
1: Meanwhile, Mikey's like, I'm, y'all are all terrible. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm just over here trying to hang out with my cat. So yeah. Should we talk about the big secret then? Yeah.
2: I mean, why the hell not? (laughs) <laughs> why the hell not well what i just go
3: for it no the reason we have to talk about this anyway is because i was wondering with those other secrets like do we really learn much about sally no not at all no, no. like none so. of that really tells us like why she left but um anyway this one kind of does let you learn a little bit about sally so when jimmy shows up very late to his own lake house um, <laughs> For no apparent reason, <laughs> they're just like he had a bunch of flights delayed or whatever. And like, it's like what was the point of making him be so late? I don't. I know. have anyway. no idea. he yeah. oh drove me, me that. crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah. Just so I, I was it, I was expecting it to be some like clue, Mister Body shit. You know? Yeah, yeah, I
3: thought yeah, I thought he was kind of like going to be setting them up or something. Yeah. Like, but then no, he just thing, shows up and yeah. everything's fine. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't that at all. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, go write that book, though, Rebecca Kaufman. Do a sequel or just like a reimagining of that. But think Mr. Bobby. Write fan
0: fiction. So, of your add own in hobby. harder. <laughs>
3: um, he shows up and he pulls, um, he pulls Mikey aside and is like, I need to talk to you about something, just us. And the suspense starts to kill Mikey. And then people are like, "Oh, let's drink again." He's like, "Okay, Mikey, we'll do this later." And Mikey's like, "What the fuck is it, though?" Oh my god, I
2: would be, I would literally, if someone did that to me, I'd be like, "No, we're going outside, and you're gonna tell me right fucking now what you're talking yeah, about." Yeah, Mikey, because,
1: that's not Mikey. <laughs> especially because the
3: next day, though, Jimmy is acting like this has been killing him, but the night before, he's just like, "I'll get back to you." <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, the next day after everyone has left, Mikey and Jimmy go eat lunch at some divey sounding place that they used to eat at in high school. Um, And Jimmy's like, this is going to be big, dude, so just get ready, but your dad is not your dad. <laughs> and Sally knew that about you. And he's like, hold up. Who's my dad then? <laughs> he's like, "I don't know. I mean, he's that guy's just some neighbor." So so this is complicated.
2: <laughs> All right. But it turns out Sally's mom is your mom.
3: Sally is your sister. Mhm.
0: Half. Half. S- half. Full sister, half half sister. So, which makes me happy they were not romantically involved.
2: Right, We did not that. have a Luke Leia situation here. <laughs> that really could have...
0: We're good
3: yeah. to go. We, and he always called Sally his first friend. And now, see, it's actually very true. Like, literally from, like, her birth. And, mm-hmm. Or his birth. His birth. So he's a year younger. younger than the rest of the group, but... And he knew Sally first, and he lived down the street from Sally. And he was raised by a single dad, and it sounded like... His mom had left, and no one really knew much about her, and his dad didn't talk about her, so he didn't know his mom. Sally's down the street living with a single mom who was, like, clearly an alcoholic um, and having a lot of men over, and apparently what happened... So what happened was... (laughs) What
2: happened
3: was... What happened was... Sally's mom has both of the kids living there because it's her kids, and mr callahan now known as mikey's dad came over for some reason what was the reason
1: no so the so mikey wandered into his yard one day oh yeah which like honestly Mm -hmm. happens with my sims toddlers all the time they just wander out into the street so been there that's what happens in pet cemetery too but this is a real toddler not a sim toddler See, this so. is why
3: I shouldn't have explained it because I'm doing a horrible job. No, no, you're doing great. I you're doing this great. Book like three weeks ago. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just trying to. Normally, help. I'm so
1: fresh. I had just finished.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're doing good. I, it's fuzzy for me too because I also finished it.
1: Well, it's fresh for me. So anyway, he's like, well, let me return this bebe.
3: Yeah. So Mikey had wandered into the yard, and Mr. Callahan brought him back over, and apparently the living situation that he witnessed. In the house was enough for him to say he was not giving this kid back.
1: (laughs) Right. We. (laughs) He never says what that was. But it was fine to leave Sally there. Yeah. Um. But
3: something terrible. So it. But he apparently tried to take Sally, but Sally wouldn't go. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah. He he like asked her and if she wanted to go, and she said no.
1: So he was like, I seems like he would try harder. She was like four.
3: (laughs) Yeah. So he takes Mikey home, and they work out some sort of deal where this is, like, okay. And, yeah. yeah, I have questions about the legality of all of this,
1: but basically... But he's not the legal guardian. How are you going to register your kid for school under your name if you're not his legal guardian? Um, yeah, I had questions about that, too. But
3: So anyway, this Somebody guy raises me. Mikey, and they always have kind of a standoffish relationship, and now it makes sense because that guy was just your neighbor. (laughs) But... Um, He ain't your dad. I mean, this is... Or your guardian. But it seems to be a very kind dude for doing
0: that. (laughs) It just... Does this... Does this Um, suppose then... Does this novel suppose that to be a true father, you have to be a biological father? No.
2: I think the novel is saying that the opposite of that. Because I think... Once Mikey learns that his dad did this for him, he feels closer to him than he ever has.
1: Like he feels yeah, and more. Then he goes to visit him at work and sees like how hard he works and all this stuff. And learns that he yeah. like talks about him. And stuff yeah, like that. and then I he mean, like sees his dad differently.
0: Yeah, but the whole novel, Mikey's like, oh, I just don't have anything with my father. He's just so gruff and. Well, they're both... Whatever. Like, and I'm kind of like, you're the same way, Mikey. Yeah, I was going
3: to say, yeah. it's they're both just really emotionally stunted. <laughs> like, when they do finally start to talk about some of this stuff, they don't even really talk about it directly. It's like, they're sort of talking around it, and then when Mikey gets emotional, his dad looks away until he's done. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's as deep as that conversation goes. But... I guess they came to an understanding. So, but this was the big, the big, big secret because Sally found out about this and then confirmed it with her mom and then went and confronted Mr. Callahan about it. And that is why she was Mm -hmm. leaving Mikey's house. um, Right. When Sam saw her. And he said not to tell Mikey. And so the only person that she feels she can confide in is her gay friend, Jimmy. So she goes to Jimmy
1: and dumps this you know, on everyone's him. Everyone's got to have their gay BFF yeah. to confide in. So she
3: goes to Jimmy and tells him about it and makes him promise not to tell. And Jimmy is like, um, look, I know that they're adults, but I feel like they're telling you the wrong thing. And this is a lot for you to just, like, not tell a person. And mm-hmm. he didn't feel comfortable keeping the secret either, but she made him promise, so he did. And now that Sally is dead, Jimmy's like, I got to tell you. So that is probably the closest reason to why she actually left the group, (laughs) because that one makes it really awkward.
2: Yeah. I just, my thing is, like, why didn't she, well, I guess because Mikey's dad didn't want Mikey to know. But, like.
0: Why? Why? I mean, I guess because it would hurt him that his mom didn't want him.
2: Either way, his mom didn't want him. Because, like, as far as he knows, his mom disappeared. Because if she had died, it wouldn't be like, we don't speak of her. Like. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I just, when this happened, when this secret was revealed, my feelings about the book shifted Significantly. Mm. Because up until this point, I was kind of on, I was on board. Okay. I was for the first like 50 or so pages of this book. I was really loving it, actually. Yeah. Um, I really liked the characters. I thought it was well written. And I was like, I'm down to see where this goes. Like, I'm really enjoying this a lot. And then, I feel like at some point during the weekend party, it started to kind of get like, where are we going with this? And then once this secret was revealed, I was like, this is absurd. (laughs) Like, it just sort of took on like a, it became so unrealistic so quickly that I just, I just, I couldn't suspend my disbelief any longer.
1: No. Yeah. There's
3: also still quite a bit of book left. Yeah!
2: yeah. I mean, it's After like, that happens. It's like, like three-fourths of the way through.
3: Yeah, because one of the things that happens at this lake house is that Lynn gets engaged, I say this in air quotes, um, to her <laughs> man. And they plan a wedding for, like, a month later, which stressed mm-hmm, me out. Right. <laughs> and they're like, so everyone should come, because, like, you know, we haven't seen each other in this long, so now we're gonna do it twice in, like, a month, which is really intense. Um... And I was like, "What can happen at this thing?" Um, Nothing. Yeah, not much really. Nothing. Um, you see that? I guess you really start to see Alice and Mikey becoming really good friends and really relying on each other in different ways.
2: Yeah, I guess that's when like the and final you see get married, so- but like, sort of secret is revealed w- that Alice has been keeping from Mikey. I guess that she wants to have a kid, and she really wants him to be her sperm donor. Wow, I forgot about that. Right,
1: and then he refuses to do it because he's going blind, and it's hereditary, and he doesn't want to pass that along. Which is,
2: Mikey has a secret. It's that. He basically keeps from his friends that he
1: is going blind, because... But, like, here's the thing. Here's the thing about Mikey. Hi, Cersei. She's on her chair, everyone. Here's the thing about Mikey that makes him a difficult POV character. um, And I think is the main reason, just to get into workshop corner for a second here. um, The main reason that... Edging into workshop corner. Edging into workshop corner here. It's just working out. um, As a POV character, he doesn't have any real, like, wants pushing him forward like he wants to find out about sally but he's also not like very proactive about it he's just like oh okay like he doesn't really want for anything and the thing that i think pointed that out for me the most is like at the beginning of the novel he finds out he's going blind but he doesn't really seem like bothered by it like it doesn't really propel him to do anything it doesn't make him think like i'm going blind soon like there's like I I need to take care of this before that happens or anything like that. Like, it doesn't really do anything. He just like, it's like, all right, well, let me start practicing for when I'm blind so that I'll be ready.
2: <laughs> yeah. I feel like everything about his character that is revealed or that happens to him ultimately has no consequence because he right, doesn't care.
1: he doesn't care. <laughs> and so it just makes it really hard to follow him as the main character because Everything just kind of, like, rolls off his back.
2: Yeah, he's, like, an extreme version of, like, Nick from The Great Gatsby, who's, like, the Observer character, but he's, like, doesn't have feelings. Right. (laughs) Or he does, but barely. Right. This
3: totally answers my second question, which was, like, how does Mikey work as the protagonist? He does not. Right. Well, I was, like, this is a... A weird well, I, place to start from. Yeah.
1: I just think but, like you don't, you don't need to have like a really strong plot where like this happens and this happens and this happens in order to have a good story. Yeah. What you do need to have are characters that want things and have like a feeling of urgency about him- them or that like, that either like want something and get it or work towards getting it or work towards changing in some way. Um, I guess Mikey changes in the end just in like how he views his father, but it's very small. It's like not enough to pull me through a book.
2: And it's not related enough to his to the purpose of the book, which is kind of about the friendships. I feel like right. his thing with his dad is a significant emotional moment for him, but it doesn't really tie back to the other people in the group other than Sally. But she's dead. So it just, like, the structure confused me as far as, like, why.
0: (laughs) I don't know. I don't know, man. It reads like somebody's MFA thesis.
2: Yes. It really
3: reminded me of, like, I know we talked about The Big Chill and the reason that it reminds people of The Big Chill is because the plot's actually similar. Look, it's a tried and true plot. Yeah, but but it also reminded me of St. Almost Fire. In the way that not that much is actually happening, Mm. but in kind of a, on a lesser level, the boys in the band, like these things that take place in like small spaces and it's just like about revealing things and like, it's just about talking
2: yeah, yeah, but I but think
3: this didn't like do enough of that, and then they left that space, and it got way less interesting to me after that.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think the other issue is that we spend so much time in the present, but everything important already happened. So yeah. if if we had more, if if it was mostly flashbacks and occasionally in the present, but we spent like most of the time in the present. So it was mostly people saying, well, this happened and this happened and this happened, but nothing new is really happening.
3: I thought something, I thought it was going to be a situation where they were going to be, I thought all of the action was going to take place in the lake house. Me too. I thought they were going to get stuck there or something, or that the Jimmy thing was going to be a thing, but that the reason this would be exciting and stuff would get eventually revealed on, you know, uh, more than a just, like, here's a secret, here's another one level. Right. It's because they would be stuck there.
2: Yeah, it'd be, like, a tense, but, like, we're snowed in, we can't leave. Yeah. um, And I
3: like that kind of shit. Me like, too. I, I love, love that. that. Like, all takes place in one room. <laughs> and I love <laughs> like, stuff
2: that's fully character-driven. So, yeah. like, this should have worked for me, mm-hmm. but
0: it, it did not.
3: Yeah. it's I seriously think it's, like, the – the big mistake of this book is leaving the cabin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm
0: I'm a total sucker for movies that take place in one room, mm-hmm. like Rope, the Alfred Hitchcock movie.
2: I have not seen that. It's
0: so good. It's like these two guys kill another guy, and it's right before a big party, and so they hide his body, and the whole bo- or the whole movie takes place in one room. So, like, I'm predisposed to like stuff like this. And I enjoyed this book. I'm not going to act like I didn't enjoy it. But I think that there are things to critique about it. It, I mean, like, it ultimately didn't take me so long to read that I stopped, like, caring about it. Yeah, Yeah. Like, but it... It lags in parts, and I agree that it's, like, a huge mistake to leave the cabin because there could have been a lot of dramatic tension there from being trapped and, like, forcing to confront the past or whatever. But, but like, once you leave, it feels like a denouement that's too long.
3: Also, like, another thing that would have been cool about trapping them there is there were two outsiders in there with them. And, Mm -hmm. like, I thought that was really going to go somewhere awesome. And then, like, one of them later is gone. She's been dumped. So she's, like, she doesn't even come back. And Mm -hmm. she was just, like, like, stereotypically obnoxious.
2: And is not important. Yeah, it was, like, completely pointless to have her there.
3: Yeah. That's why I was amazed that we left. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was, like, the only reason you would have these two outsiders in here is, like, gonna, it's really gonna, like, stir this pot somehow. And it, they didn't. Like, one of them just, like, went to bed.
2: Like, I don't know much (laughs) about writing, but I do know that if you make a decision, you should have a reason for it in your book. And it <laughs> yeah. seemed like m- almost half of what happened here yeah. happened for no
0: Absolutely. reason. I would counter. You do know a lot about writing. That also. Mm. Yeah,
2: you do. I know a lot about reading. I need a lot about reading. So, <laughs> I mean. Uh, so, Susan um, had this quote in the doc. To discuss, and I found it in my book, so I'm just gonna read it. So, Sam and Mikey are talking about what Sam did to Sally, and um, Sam says, I know you don't think I'm a good man, you couldn't. Mikey thought of Lynn's words from earlier that's what friends are for, isn't it? To tell you you're good even if you're bad. He couldn't decide if he agreed with this. There were a lot of things he couldn't feel sure about. He couldn't speak for Sally on how much that moment with Sam had affected her, the scope of the impact. It might have changed everything. It might have changed very little. Mikey gazed at Sam's pink face, which timorously awaited a response. He couldn't quite bring himself to say, you're good, or we're good, or even it's okay. Instead, he placed his hand on Sam's round, warm shoulder and said the truest thing he could think of, you are my dear friend. Sam gripped Mikey's hand and said, you are my dear friend. Mikey wondered if having a dear friend and being a dear friend might be almost as good as being a good man.
0: I mean, I think it's it's significant that it's Mikey thinking this, because Mikey seems to have so loose a grasp on what it means to be a human.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I mean, I think he is trying to work through the, you know, proper way to act, because he doesn't connect with people like... Other people seem to, and so Mikey making this observation like, hmm, well maybe being a friend and having a friend that's kind of like the same thing as just being good, right? Because <laughs> he doesn't understand anything. I Mary would say, no, yeah, <laughs> um, like being a good friend is maybe, like, part of being
2: good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do think it's interesting because it makes you think, like, what makes you a good person could could be less, you know, who you are, but more what you mean to other people. Yeah. But also, if you do something terrible, you can't be like, well, I have friends, so. No. That excuses it, because they like me, so why don't you? Doesn't work that way, Mm-mm. and yet, like,
3: look at every time like a politician, for mm-hmm. example, does something horrible. Yeah. It's like, but all his friends said, Ted that Bundy had like Brett Kavanaugh, like, you know, like okay, but that doesn't make him.
1: I watched the Ted Bundy take
3: to this particular take woman. a Brett
2: Kavanaugh for example.
3: That's or <laughs> Ted Bundy, y'all take a Ted Bundy for
1: example, like. Everyone he went to church with thought Manson, he was the greatest. For example. Oh, man. Everybody had a lot has friends.
3: Exactly. And they all said he was a like whole a cool, and peaceful guy. Yeah. Ask mm-hmm. other people, not so much. So, no. Anyway, that's to say
2: we disagree,
3: I think. At
2: least Mikey is
1: trying to feel, yeah. right? Mikey's wrong.
2: Mikey's Mikey sounds like a child trying to work
3: through.
1: Well he also goes by Mikey Which is a really childish fucking
0: name
3: It's true Mikey also says at various times in life We're either more or less true to who we really are Do you think people change Or do you think they just like Become more who
1: they really are So I'm reminded of a quote from my so called life Hold on I'm gonna look it up Okay Now you just have to picture this in like Emo Angela Chase voice Okay Alright Can (laughs) you do (laughs) it for us No, uh, cause I'm going to laugh. So, all right. Anyway, I love this show. I would never make fun of this show. Um, (laughs) people always say how you should be yourself. Like yourself is this definite thing, like a toaster or something like, you know what it is even, but every so often I'll have like a moment when just being myself and my life, like where I am is like enough. Aww. I'm just saying, like, what does that mean to be yourself, I guess is my point.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's you can't really define being yourself and who you perceive yourself to be might not be how others perceive exactly. you. Exactly. And like what is the true self if it's not right. what you perceive yourself I think to
1: be. The self that you are is different to every person who knows you. And I think um most people I don't know if I would include Mikey in this, but most people are very complicated, and I think Boiling yourself down to, like, this is the true me... Yeah. ...is kind of unrealistic.
2: It's hard. I mean, I have friends... I have a large group of friends from high school that I'm still friends with, and...
1: I, Fuck, not me. Fuck those people. Yeah. But anyway, go Well,
2: on. so I, like, have an experience of knowing people when they were very young and knowing them now when we're, like, almost in our 30s, much like the characters in this book. And... You know, in my experience, like, I think most of the people that I am friends with from my youth are still the people they were then in in a lot of ways. Like, but I can't see their internal I- interpretation of themselves. But in my I- interpretation of them, you know.
0: I guess there's, like, different types of change. I think people can change... If they are motivated internally to change, you know, like if you decide I want to stop a certain behavior or I'm going to really investigate some Mm -hmm. of my beliefs and question them, like you can change, but you can't change other people. If that makes sense, like you can't externally be a force to force someone else to change, but I think people can change, but they got yeah. to want to change.
2: I guess also maybe the people that I am thinking of are people who I thought were pretty decent people to begin with. So, because <laughs> otherwise I wouldn't still be yeah. friends with them. But, uh... Right. Yeah. I do think it's interesting to think about, like, if there is an essential thing that is you that you can't ever stray too far from your personality yeah, yeah. or whatever, or your sense of humor.
3: Yeah. Or for someone to say, like, that behavior was not like
2: Sam. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it is like Sam, because Sam fucking did right. it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, if I did something terrible once, can I now become a person who, if presented with that situation, I wouldn't do that now, you know? I think so. Mm.
0: But also... Yeah, I think you can... But it doesn't erase it happening before.
3: Yeah. All right. Um. On that note, do we have any other closing thoughts about this book?
2: I gave this book a two. Wait, let's enter Emily's workshop corner now. Um, Air your grievances. Well, I
1: covered a lot of it, but I think just in general, I had a lot of problems logistically with the story. It felt very sensational. Um, I didn't really get the whole, like, secret brother thing um also there were just like a lot of things that just weren't researched at all like and i know i bitched about this already you guys but (laughs) they refer to themselves as gen x i'm sorry (laughs) um y'all are millennials people who are in their 30s right now are millennials yeah if you were born from like
0: 1980 it's 1984. To nineteen ninety nine. It's nineteen eighty. Is it? Yeah.
2: She looked it up because she was so mad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because we found
3: out recently so, that Justin squeaked in as a millennial. Just barely.
1: Yeah.
2: He eighty one'd it right in there.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, you can say
1: so, stuff about millennials if you want me.
2: So eighty to ninety nine?
1: Yeah. Something like I thought it was ninety se- eighty to ninety seven, but maybe it's ninety nine. Um, but yeah, uh, so they're definitely millennials. Yeah. Um, and I just think, like, it's just little things like that, that, like, you just gotta fact check because it just takes you out of the world of the book. Um, if they're complaining about millennials and talking about how, like, Gen X is better and y'all are, like, in your early 30s, you're definitely millennials, um, I already said my whole thing about um, characters and uh, you know, like it's okay to have a character-driven book, but like you actually have to have like once or like you have to change in some way. Um, We don't have any of that. I mean, I kept reading because the book moved really quickly, Mm -hmm. and by reading I mean I listened to it. Um, But the whole time I was like, what am I? What am I reading to? I don't know, like what I keep. What am I reading to find out? You know? Um, And I will say. Because I am not opposed to listening to something really quickly. Um, pretty much like the wet, like from the wedding to the end, I had it on 2.5 speed. <laughs> Cause I was like, I'm done. Let's get this That's over fast. with. So, I gave it a 2. So, a chipmunk read this book to Emily. Just the last part. I read everything. I listened to everything else like regular speed. Also, I didn't like the narrator. He was he like kind of had this like childish quality to his voice. But again, like maybe that's like it's Mikey. He's kind of childish, but all right.
0: I gave it a 3. I and we've all talked about like how we all rate books differently. Yeah. I gave it a 3 just because I enjoyed it while I was reading it. I definitely have critiques of it, and a lot of the same critiques you guys have, but i I more or less enjoyed it,
2: yeah, so I, gave it, I gave it a three. I feel like I would give it a two and a half, but I'm like yeah. bumping it up to a three. I really liked Alice as a character, and I think that that's the main reason that I'm giving Me too. it a three. Because I think she was, yeah, like... Yeah, I identified with Alice. Yeah, she was very, like, fully formed, and mm-hmm. I enjoyed her. And, you know, I think Mikey was a fully formed character, too. He just shouldn't have been the narrator.
1: And also, he should have just come out as asexual. <laughs> yeah. That would have bumped that, this up at least half a star for me. <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: I also gave it a 3. The story had a lot of elements of stories that I typically like, and so I think I was set up to, like, a lot of this. Um, And it it did move quickly for me, and I enjoyed it while I was reading it. Like, I wanted to keep reading it. I never felt like, ugh, when's it going to be over? And I think that I would... I wouldn't recommend it to everyone who asked me for a book recommendation, but I feel like there are people that would like this that I would feel comfortable being like, yeah,
2: you would like this book. So And it's not like it's gonna take you so long to read that like, you know, your life is ruined significantly if you spend time on it.
3: But I like to think of twos as things I wouldn't really recommend to other people.
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, there you have it. And fours are things I would, like, probably recommend to
0: anybody.
1: (gasps) What about me? (laughs) And a
0: five is Annihilation.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Five is Room, and everyone can get on that level.
1: Get on the Room level. Um,
3: Yeah, I mean, overall, like, I enjoyed it. I also was in Switzerland when I read it, so that could have had an effect.
1: Yeah.
0: It probably did. I mean,
1: it's kind of like how I read Prisoner of Azkaban when I was in Japan, and so, like, that book I mean, that is my favorite Harry Potter book, but also, like, real special. Yeah. Also, cool. I love Japan. Just want to throw that out there.
3: All right. Good <laughs> job, everybody. Yay!
1: Another Good book job. in the books, if you will. <laughs> uh,
0: we
2: have some listener feedback on the power.
0: We have a piece of listener feedback from Kim in Hattiesburg. She says, Bravo on the episode. I wanted to pose one question or musing before it slips my mind because I have to get back to work, y'all. This is from Facebook, so maybe <laughs> Kim, you were on Facebook. At work. But not working. Oh my gosh.
1: Uh she says,
0: it could it be that the escalation of violent retaliation in the early days of the power is directly related to the age or immaturity of the most powerful who were teenagers as young as 12. And the episode's best quote was, it is the other way around, and we are mad. Right. <laughs> heart, heart emoji. Right. Thanks, Kim. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. I I mean, yeah, definitely, I think that could have something to do with it, because if I was... A teenager and had this power. Suddenly, I would go buck wild, mm-hmm. for sure. You don't understand me, Dad. sap
3: I always used to think people were saying butt wild when they said that butt wild. Yeah.
2: Wow. <laughs> Sometimes oh I. Still that really gives it that. a whole new meaning. Wild as a butt. <laughs> <laughs> Get
3: on over here and go butt wild. <laughs> <laughs> wild
0: as a butt.
1: <laughs>
0: I think that's a good point, though.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Good point. And also, I don't know who said that quote, but it's true. I think it was you. Oh. <laughs> I think. Well, I that was right. I don't know who did it. But yes. Yes. Whoever. Yes, me. <laughs> yes, Susan. Just high fives all around. Good job. Woo! Thank yeah. you yeah. so much, Kim, for reading along. Woo. All right. Let's get butt wild on the blog now.
0: There is so much happening on the blog, right? now. I wanted to clear this week Merry Week on the blog. It is. Merry Week. It's Merry Week. By the time you're listening to this, it's no longer Merry Week. Merry Week had happened. <laughs> it's done now.
2: Merry Week is in its peak We're right in the now. middle of
1: peak Merry Week. It's like yeah. Shark Week, but with Mary. <laughs> it's just Mary
0: blogging every day!
1: <laughs> Mary is killing it with the
0: blog posts. Just... <laughs> Thank goodness. It's because Sweet Tide is so excited about Survivor. And I'm really excited about Survivor, too. But he was like, what if we do first impressions like you guys do for The Bachelor and we look at all of them? Aww. And I was like, okay, we can do that. And so we just sat down at the table together and typed that blog post. But I was like, you realize this is us doing this post tonight, me doing a post tomorrow, and then us doing a Survivor recap because it starts this week. And he was like, yeah, that's okay, right? Yeah, and I was like, "It's fine." Yeah, it's fine. I'm more than happy. I guess that that is to say, Todd and I are recapping Survivor this season. It's the content no one asked for, <laughs> but that we are <laughs> yeah. delivering to you. Uh, Survivor is that a lot like needs. The Bachelor. You can't always
1: get what you want, but sometimes you get what you need, and that's yeah. Survivor recaps.
0: Survivor is, I will argue. A lot like The Bachelor, and it's incredibly fun to watch. And Todd and I have very different preferences about Survivor. We've watched some old seasons together, and he's much more like into cutthroat players. And I'm like, I just like the people who
3: are nice. Oh, this is going to be fun.
0: Yeah, so we we have very different takes on it, so I'm excited to get to talk about it with him. It is not going to be as funny, probably, as my favorite bachelor recap. Aw, you're so sweet. Yeah. But so,
3: we'll bachelor try. recaps are happening and it's appropriate that we talked about our hometowns because today. Because are going on them. this episode because the next recap you're going to see is hometown episode. It's time. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Including a trip to Birmingham, my current home and new hometown. <laughs> you didn't see them <laughs> um, filming with... around anywhere? Well, no because it was like in October oh, apparently really not so, there. In so I mean yeah, but I didn't know there was a girl from Birmingham on The Bachelor
1: here You just got to keep your eyes peeled you know? at all times in case.
3: I just don't, I don't have the energy, but I do want to see where they yeah, go. Yeah, I understand. So I can be like, I have already eaten there. I'm just as cool as an Instagram influencer.
1: I do that with clear eye um, because they film in Atlanta and I'm always like, yo, I know that place. Like, whatever. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: also recapping
0: riverdale wow
1: you yeah. sound so excited kind of rigged, like,
0: riverdale here tomorrow here forever because it just got renewed for season four baby
1: Jesus.
0: Uh, <laughs> 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 you know you guys can quit
2: never never
3: we will we die on the ship. ship you heard it here first we
0: i will. i like riverdale still still i mean it's it's wild to see what they come up with every season because it never makes complete sense. It never ceases to amaze me. Let's just put it that it's, way. It's truly a, every fanfic writer's dream. It is. And I. They're I like, like it. which couple hasn't been together
2: yet? Let's try it out. Let's give it a try. I mean, try. that sounds like Gossip Girl. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> exactly.
0: Girl it's, it's very Gossip Girl adjacent.
1: So. Well, Gossip Girl made me real angry too, so um, I'm not going down that road again. It's like Gossip Girl
2: if Gossip Girl looked like Twin Peaks.
1: We're yeah.
0: still on the Riverdale train though, and we're dragging Gabriella with us.
2: Yeah, I feel I won't be Gabriella surprised if she's and like I might I'm out start doing
1: <laughs> recaps together too. Ooh, we have discussed when and if you comes back for season two. Oh yeah, we're coming in with the recaps. So get ready. I'm
2: sure it will come back because people are going crazy over it
1: now that they're wa- now that it's on Netflix. Oh yeah. God. I hope. But here's the thing: like, if it's on Netflix and they release all the episodes all at once, that's a lot. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how that's gonna work, but we'll, we'll we'll figure it out as it as it hits us. But even if you've never watched you, I'm just gonna plug these blog posts from a different blog. You should read the you recaps on Vulture because they're hilarious. Um, the end.
2: I am gonna be doing an Oscars predictions post. When you are hearing this, the Oscars were yesterday, so feel free to head over to the blog and see how wrong I was.
3: (laughs) Mary and I wrote about the two Fire Festival documentaries that we can't stop talking about Fire on Netflix and Fire Fraud on Hulu, and we talk about which one was. More fire fest-y.
1: <laughs> Spoiler. AKA more of a myth. Yeah. <laughs> I really want to watch those.
3: We just talk about okay. all-out disastrous events. Of course, we talk about the sucking dick for water situation. So if you want to hear us talk about
0: Andy that. Andy King. That, that's, that's yeah. we I
2: went there that. fully prepared to suck dick. Andy King might
0: be getting his own show.
2: Uh, oh, man. I hope it's called something like... I'm here for it. Just the entire quote is the title.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was fully
3: prepared. Yeah. <laughs> I will recap that show for sure. So recap of all the Dixie songs. Oh my word.
2: And then finally Mary did her surviving character death post. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh
0: sort of keeping the spirit of role playing games alive from our last other episode, I wrote a blog post about Things you can do to sort of like reframe your thinking when your role playing game character dies. Yeah. Because it happens a lot because it's, you know, a fictional game where you're all crazy adventures. And I've been thinking about it because I have two characters in a game I run right now who I are have maybe a funeral dead. for
1: them. I think that
0: would be And good. we were sort of talking about it and reflecting. On what might happen.
2: I remember when I used to kill off my characters in my long-form role-playing online.
1: Oh, yeah. One time, one of my characters got killed in a hate crime, but it was real. It wasn't staged like the (sighs) Jesse Smollett whatever. It was real. It wasn't just like some Nigerian dudes pretending to be MAGA hat wearers.
2: Was that when my character killed your character?
1: Yeah, you were so upset.
2: My character was a hate crimer.
1: Yeah, you were hate crime me. Isn't it fun to role-play a hate crime?
2: Super fun. It was a magical hate crime. Just
1: ask those Nigerian so. dudes. No. Yeah.
2: Anyway. <laughs> yeah,
1: just ask those Nigerian <laughs> What's that- dudes. What's up
2: next on the podcast? I'll tell you. It's Captain Marvel.
0: Yeah! Yeah! And as Emily just found out the other day, Captain Marvel has a cat. I'm so
1: excited. So yes, like Yes, I'm so stoked. Getting ready for this. Can we please just like post pictures of Captain Marvel's cat everywhere? Yes. The cat has its
0: own movie poster. I want I it. I
1: know.
2: And tragically, Susan
1: will not be joining us for that episode. But
2: Emily will be joining us all the way from Australia.
1: I will be joining from Australia. Good day.
3: It's okay. My parents are going to be here visiting me. So. Her parents
2: ruined That's everything. a happy reason. Uh, and then our next book is going to be my book that I chose. My book that I wrote. <laughs> We're talking about my book, guys. Just kidding. I didn't write a book. Uh, it's <laughs> called Fruit of the Drunken Tree by Ingrid Rojas Contreras. And we are going to be publishing that episode on March 25th. I have a real quick summary. Um. In the vein of Isabel Allende and Gabriel Garcia Marquez, a mesmerizing debut set against the backdrop of the devastating violence of 1990s Colombia about a sheltered young girl and a teenage maid who strike an unlikely friendship that threatens to undo them both. So, this book has some magical realism things going on. Uh, mm. I'm really excited to read it. And the cover is beautiful. Mm. So...
1: Yes, I've heard really good things about it. We're on a streak it, so of beautiful covers. Yeah, we are.
2: Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, we are. So, well, um, as usual, yeah. please. If you have, sorry, Susan, did you want to do it?
0: Please, please. No.
1: <laughs> no. no. Susan said, "Come on, no. Susan."
2: <laughs> I'm sorry.
3: I just thought since I wasn't going to be here next time, maybe I could do it this time.
2: Do it. Yeah, you do it, Susan. <laughs>
3: I was totally kidding. I was I just stuttered, but I'll do it. Um, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast please. if you haven't already. Please. So far so You're good. You're doing so
2: well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. You can You're doing catch great. us on
3: social media. Uh, yes. We are at Book Squad Goals on Instagram and Twitter. And our page is just called Book Squad Goals on Facebook. Yeah.
2: If you use that stuff.
3: our website. booksquadgoals.com. If you want to read any of that stuff on the blog, you can go straight to it at booksquadgoals.com slash blog. It's true. If you would like to send us listener feedback, you can email it to us at the squad at booksquadgoals.com.
2: And please do.
3: Yeah. And please do. Yeah.
2: And I'll see you guys
3: not next time, but the time after.
2: Yes. Have fun with your parents, Susan.
3: We'll probably end up going to see Captain Marvel while they're here. I can almost guarantee it. So,
1: Susan, after you see Captain Marvel, record like a little clip of your reaction to it, and if I'm we gonna to write time, in we'll anonymous in. listener feedback. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> okay. I really missed Susan Sounds on good. this episode. I don't think you guys should ever <laughs> record without her again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we try not to.
2: Yes. Good. Uh,
1: Thanks for listening, guys.
0: Yeah, thanks for listening. Goodbye. Bye.